Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 9, The Sword of Kalis, teleplay by Hans Beamler and directed by LeVar Burton. This episode aired on November 20th, 1995. I know I'm the one with the more noticeable accent on this podcast, but when you said the sword of Kalos, the D was soft, so it was like the I heard the sort of Kalos. <laughs> so, accents are fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. This week on Deep Space Nine, Klingon Dahar Master Kor, Jetsia Dax, and Worf search for the fabled sword of Kalos on a re- sorry I'll do this. search for the fabled sword of Kalos on a remote planet in the Gamma Quadrant. The sword of Kalos is the Lord of the Rings. In this essay, I will. <laughs> well, no, I get it. It's like an artifact. You know, it has this. It like, makes you a little power coo- over. Makes people. you a little cuckoo. Yeah. It's a little the ring of power. Mm-hmm. It's a little the holy grail. It's kind of like a, a grail quest yeah. episode a bit. We have visions and and everything else. But first and foremost, Elise, did you or did you not remember this episode? Not really, to be honest. Which is surprising because love a Klingon episode. Yeah. Yeah. I like I think I said last week that I didn't like super love, but I didn't like super hate little green men and i think i don't know i didn't listen back to it yet what uh <laughs> do you normally what listen star back rating to or it? number i get it not since we hired melissa as an <laughs> yeah me neither <laughs> <laughs> but like i think i gave it like a three and a half out of five or like a seven even though we don't normally rate things <laughs> this is like less than that if i was on letterbox this would be like a i'd maybe a two or a two and a half like mm. i didn't hate it but like it's pretty forgettable. So would it be two and a half swords or two and a half shitty um, defense fields? <laughs> or whatever they're called. <laughs> the force fields yes. that the Vulcans couldn't get by because <laughs> apparently they just didn't think to reverse the polarity on a tricorder. The like, most Star Trek thing ever. Excuse like, me, you on. just stole my most Star Trek thing ever. Oops. I'm sorry. It's okay. They didn't. Um... I think it's really silly that the sword is in the Gatman Quadrant. Like, what? That makes no sense. Um, I love it, though. Well, I guess if you think about it, the, like, Herc race, which is, like, a not even what the race was called. It's, like... The yeah, it just means the word's, like, like, other. Outsider. Yeah. Um, maybe they had... Maybe, like, a thousand years ago... They might as well just be Goys. Yeah. <laughs> um, not touching that one. Well, Worf Oy is day. Jewish. I mean, adopt- that's, that's he's adopted, true. but still. Anyway. Yeah, well. Continue. Now when he, like, sorry, now I'm thinking about Klingons having two penises in circumcision. Anyway. Oh, that reminds me, <sighs> actually. Yesterday, um, we were talking, I was talking about, like, truck driving with a friend. And um, we were joking about, like, driving it with a penis. And I said, only Klingons can do that because they have two of them. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, who knows? Maybe the Herc had like um, trans warp 
like conduits like the Borg did or mm-hmm. maybe the Herc were like the Iconians and had gateways or like they were somehow were, like you can you can hand wave it away through lore but like yeah it's just like oh no one's found it because it's in the Gamma Quadrant <laughs> um one I don't even I watched the episode this afternoon and I can't like I remember they had the shroud and that led them to the the sword and no wait the shroud was found on the planet that the Vulcans were researching. Okay, yes. it wasn't like a map like like Force Awakens. Okay, cool. No, that makes sense. I was like, how did they even find that planet? Nope, the Vulcans had been there. That's how <laughs> they found it. One thing I did really in um enjoy this episode was um John Calicus, is that how you pronounce his name? Colicos. Colicos. Maybe. His acting as core was quite delightful to me. Um, he was so theatrical in his portrayal. It just felt like very Klingon, very Star Trek six. Like he should have been quoting Shakespeare. Well, Shakespeare, you, you haven't experienced Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon, right? Exactly. So that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's Colicos, listeners. If if you know definitively, I kind of. So or I'm not gonna lie. Tweet at us and let us know. I should know because he's Canadian. Yes. Prior to writing my notes or prior prior to us recording, I actually googled how to pronounce his name and listened to an audio of it. But that was an hour ago, and I've already forgotten. <laughs> so, yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, don't meet your heroes, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, there there are so many, like, elements of this episode that, like, are interesting. It's just, like, I think this episode's parts are greater than its sum. That's right? Because we have, it's a little bit we of have a the idea mesh. of, like, yeah. Like, I can see the elements of, like, wanting to do this, like, you know, quasi Arthurian slash Indiana Jones like grail quest right the idea of destiny and vision and purpose and like if you look in kind of the like Arthurian um literary tradition the idea of visions like I think it's uh is it Galahad who's the like holiest one or or whatever he's the one who gets the vision from like Christ to find the girl like there's there's some like pretty like direct illusions that the sword of Kalos is like the Holy Grail which again then triggers Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail sort of sort of vibes. I mean and, like, they basically even originally... had a scene from the Last Crusade in this movie in this episode of television. Yeah, but it was it wasn't the the emotional climax, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely there. It was definitely there. Oh, that's so good because Indy has uh, whatever her name is, Elsa, Elsa, and then is trying to save her. And then once he, she chooses the Grail over her life, and then Indy's like, "No, I can reach it." And then, oh, maybe I should rewatch that. Tonight. I was gonna watch Dog Day Afternoon after this because it's on Criterion this this month, but maybe I should watch Last Crusade. I watched Last I Crusade think- quite recently, so I recommend that. Well, yeah, not to go like too much on like an Indiana Jones, like you know rabbit hole but where i think this is like the strongest as like an indiana jones like relic quest relic hunting um allegory for me or like the or not allegory but like mode motif you know playing in that that genre probably more than any other star trek episode kind of directly lifting from that is the idea that like the MacGuffin, like as the titular sword of Kales, 
does have that kind of profound spiritual relevance to it that I think you see through the first three Indiana Jones movies as opposed to like four and, and five. And again, I don't want to like, you yeah, know, I haven't I, seen five. We but... don't, we don't have, we don't have to like get into it, but mm-hmm. yeah, they, they, it's, it's, I, it's more in the like, Oh, this is like, you know, based in, in history loosely, um, sort of vibe to it, but the, the MacGuffins don't have the same sort of like, spiritual spiritual significance that again we've mentioned the grail raiders of raiders of the lost ark like the ark of the covenant like that's that's some pretty like you know within you know the 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 hebrew bible some like pretty like important shit the holy grail being in you know the the christian new testament but even that was it the shankara stones in temple of doom which again temple of doom's not it's a i'll just say it it's a problematic movie in a couple different avenues but the shankara stones do have that sort of like spiritual significance to the village that Andy returns them to. Um, whereas the crystal skull and the interdimensional slash aliens and, you know, the, the titular dial of destiny don't really do it for me in that same sort of way. Whereas the sword of Kaelas does. It's just, yeah. You know what? Sword of Kaelas is like a modern, a 21st century Indiana Jones movie. There we go. End of the podcast. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Replace the uh, replace the CGI fire ants with a Duras, and then you're good to go. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, one thing I will comment, and this is not even about the plot, is that there were a lot of parts of this episode that I couldn't see. Um, when they were in the cave, the lighting was so dark. Um, I watched it the first time on Paramount Plus, um, and the second time I watched it on iTunes because I have um, this series got it on sale for like thirty bucks one time. Um, it was slightly better on iTunes, but like the Paramount Plus lighting was really hard to see. Yeah, so there's something really interesting. Well, not interesting. It's just capitalism with Star Trek and, like, streaming, like, in Canada. So, like, I was watching the show. I have the DVDs, right? But I was watching it off off Crave. And up until this point in, you know, our recording for over three seasons into four seasons now. But they're getting ready to remove Star Trek off Crave. And it's going to come on to, to Paramount Plus, basically, after, after Strange New Worlds ends. It's all going to be on Paramount Plus, including Lower Deck. So I have to figure out if I'm going to cancel Crave and then get Paramount Plus Although for Lower Decks. Although I assume Decks or, probably or not Star Trek Prodigy, since that seems to be homeless. No, that's that's not. Yeah, that's not coming back yet. They're looking for a different partner for that. But in preparation, I think to take it off, the last couple episodes, the last couple weeks, DSN has still been on Crave. But the quality is a lot worse. Like, it's not the DVD quality oh, that's, that's like weird. screaming, which again isn't high def. But I walk, because I was at a friend's house, I was dog sitting and house sitting for mm-hmm. them last weekend when we recorded Little Gold Men. So I was, I was right. screaming it there because I didn't have the DVDs. Right, right. And it was like, it wasn't the DVD. I swear to God, it was like a digitized like of the syndicated VHS because oh, every terrible. time it went to what would have been yeah every time it 
it went to what would have been the commercial break, you had the title card of a little bit of the theme music in Deep Space Nine that, like, remember when you used to watch yep. things on TV? And it, it would be it like an back, intro and an go outro. to commercial. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Oh and it come God. and you have the title card, so you knew if you just watched from the commercials what what that show you were watching. So yeah, it was awful. that, and it had some of the. I'm gonna date date us here a little bit, but I do think it was like a a VHS transfer because like you know how when it was like the the scanning or whatever, you'd get some yeah. of those like lines on the top of the frame. Like, mm-hmm. as it was, like, going through and the I tape ha- would wear out? I have a friend that it, works... It had some of those. I have a friend that works in, like, the industry of, like, putting stuff on TV. And, like, that is that is old. And I don't know if they do just, like, cable or network. But I'm going to have to ask them about this. Because they occasionally do Star Trek stuff. And I'm, like, very curious now. But all of that being said about maybe having to figure out what I'm going to do and how I'm going to watch Lower Decks... It is a nice affirmation that my obsession with physical media has a purpose because mm. I could just put the DVDs in. I'm hoping that the um, permanent, I call it permanent rental, not like I don't own anything. <laughs> the permanent yeah. rental I have from iTunes, I hope that that is um, promised to me forever. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, I hear you there. All right, so this was the first Worf-centric episode of DS9 since the television movie that opened the season, The Way of the Warrior. All the other stories that have that followed The Way of the Warrior up until this one that we've covered on the podcast, they were pitched and approved prior to getting the formal okay or approval that Michael Dorn's Worf was joining the show. So that's why he was kind of relegated to like either B or C stories in the episode. Um, which made me almost like Starship Down even more. The fact that like Worf has a really good arc in that episode and it's yeah. like they kind of added it after the fact. Um, cause that episode had like three, the three or three or four like plot lines to it. Right. Um, but yeah, so this is the idea of like, how are we going to integrate Worf into to DS9? They bring Kor on, which again, we like to see Kor. Yep. Core has that relationship with Dax, so we'll and Dax is Klingon adjacent, so we'll add there. So like again, I understand the calculus of it. It's just I think the execution is like doesn't something just doesn't click for me fully. Right. So it's really funny to to watch this um, now as I very recently because we know I'm rewatching TNG and I very recently watched um redemptions part one and two so it's really i've been meaning to rewatch them yeah yeah i recommend it so it's really interesting to be in the part of that where i am where like he just got his honor back um and then obviously like a lot happens between then and now (laughs) um and then i also watched um the episode where um he uh disaster where um he helps keiko um give birth so that's where i am in my like other series with wharf so it's just very <laughs> um very amusing but yeah i recommend re-watching that it was really it was really fun <clears throat> it's like the thing redemption's interesting right because it's like galron and wharf are like i mean if not bestie is like mm-hmm. a lot closer and allied. Well, and it gets like... it actually gets referenced in this episode. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's well, when and even like Gal. That's yeah, when he. Ahead, that's when he let Tora live. 
Mm-hmm. And he was just a boy. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny that I literally like watched this Friday and watched this earlier today and am realizing all of this like right now? <laughs> Brains. Obviously, Torrell is played by a different actor, <laughs> yes. as you probably realize, like watching them back to back. Right. But I don't even remember what he looked like in the other show because it was probably last week. <laughs> I mean, he sound he sounds different. He sounds more teenage. Yeah, but like yeah. they given like the the turtle that they put on like the ridges. They given like that's um, Duras yeah. is like capital D Duras. That was like the father. So they make that kind of like oh the Duras men all have this like yes. you know shell. So <laughs> it's the same ridge pattern, but yeah. Um, one thing I do love is that Worf is like so excited and no, sorry. He's so nervous to meet Kor. Um, and it's because of his family's dishonor. Like, he has preconceived notions about how he thinks Kor will react to him or what Kor will, will think. And then his smile when Worf realizes he was being greeted, like, kindly was just, like, so priceless. Like, because Worf has spent his whole... I mean, we learned... We, his, he's always felt like an outsider. Um, and he later in the episode goes into it pretty deeply with Dax in a way that I've never seen him speak to anyone about himself ever. Um, and it's just to be em- embraced in that moment by someone that you look up to so much. It's just, it must've felt really good. Well, and it, it definitely ties in, I guess, with the idea if we want to talk about, get more into the idea of iconography um you said earlier like the idea of like don't meet your heroes and yeah part of this episode goes a little bit that way when they may or may not be under the power of the one ring <laughs> uh, um but then obviously they like come to terms with it later and like you know of course like oh was there just need to find it we just weren't supposed to return it um but like core is an icon that wharf reveres the sword is an icon that wharf reveres and it's the power of belief and meaning and the way again i'm gonna bring it up again listeners the idea of sentient beings being both meaning seekers and meaning creators it's like does this sword have magical powers like the one ring or the villains inside of us is it the idea of like us believing in some great quest and destiny is that what drives us crazy and leads us to mistrust one another icons can be powerful Especially Worf as <clears throat> Frodo, Kor as Gollum, and as AJ says, Dax as Jadzwise Dax G. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't have comments on, on iconography, um, so I had to make a joke. Sorry. Nothing to be sorry for. <laughs> Um, I do think it's funny that they keep, you know, as they're starting to fight with each other, they, they start blaming each other. Like, Kor is like, Kor basically accuses Worf of saying it belongs in a museum at one point, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. Um, and like, you know, Worf is blaming Kor for running his big drunken mouth telling everybody about this, and which is apparently how Doras uh, found out which is very silly. Like the idea 
that like the he was too drunk and just couldn't keep his mouth shut as like a plot reason is so funny to me. It's very silly. I think yeah. this is a type of episode that like not in a mean way, but I'm laughing at it a little bit more than I'm laughing with it. But like in a loving way cuz it's like your annoying little brother or something. I don't have a brother, but I would assume that if I did they would be annoying. Well, was your little sister annoying? Um, I think I was probably the more annoying one out of the two of us. Uh, she was very stubborn. That was really annoying. <laughs> I just felt bad for Dax. I know. She really episode. deserved to be more than referee to these two freaking bozos over here. Like. <laughs> ridiculous. I. <laughs> She, yeah, she had to, like, yell at everybody in this. She had to mommy everyone, and, like, that's annoying. I do think it was funny, though, as soon as De- uh, Duras comes back, they're like, I guess we're on the same side again. <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting to me that they, like, made the, like, secondary antagonist, I guess I'm going to call it, um, or the the problem of why they get stuck in the, the caves and stuff like that. Right. Um, that they made it the kid that Worf spared, um, whose aunts just died a year ago in Star Trek Generations. Yeah. Having, you know what I mean? It's like, it could have been anyone, but I guess like, uh, it could have been anyone. So why not the, the Duras kid? Um, yeah. So I like, I guess to jump back. When the sisters showed go, up go in ahead. season one of Deep Space Nine, I completely forgot about that until now. No, you're exact. Thank you. That's what it reminded me of. You're exactly right. It was one of those things we talked a lot about on season one when, right. like, Cor- when Q showed up or the Jara sisters, where it's like, eh, it could be any Klingon, so why not make it right? The but this sisters? feels even more grasping at straws than the Jara sisters and Q because those characters were like beloved. Like, who the fuck is Torel? I don't. I don't even fucking remember this guy. The illegitimate, the illegitimate child of Duras. Yeah. No, I mean I know that, but I'm <laughs> no, no, saying I know, like I know, I I'm know. just like yeah, this nobody over here. Not that <laughs> illegitimate children are nobodies. That is not what I'm saying here. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm no just one, wondering. No one was thinking that I said that. I'm just wondering what would have happened if Kor had drunkenly invited. Terrell on the quest instead of drunkenly <laughs> later because that's how Terrell found out about it like oh Klingon God. history totally could have been changed that is so funny I did not think about that or like how many other people did he just shout his mouth at too like at too I don't know what that means but like it could have been anyone he could have been talking to Ray Skywalker that was funnier in my head <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of the rise of Skywalker, I don't even know. <laughs> you know we're getting off topic today. when we're discussing the rise of Skywalker, a movie that neither of us loved. <laughs> Continue. But but again, it does. It, but no, it's 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 actually kind of topical because again, oh, it does no, that I'm whole idea cheap. of like like a, a quest for an artifact, right? Yes. Like holocron um, was right there, fucking wayfinders. The world is rubble. <laughs> um. Oh, that's a really bad Babo Freak story. It's, it was actually, headphones. I kind of enjoyed it. Um, it I mean, you can enjoy it and it cannot be. Good. It wasn't as bad as it would be if I attempted it. 
So that's something. I mean, it's not it's not bad for having not seen the Rise of Skywalker in almost three years. <laughs> no, four years, four years. Not seeing it almost. I four just like the hey hey. Oh um, It's a little um. Oh yeah. No, you're um, too muffled. <laughs> I'm getting farther and farther away, further and further away from it. Um, what was I gonna say? No, it's like the quest, but. I was thinking earlier that it might be fun yes. to get high and do a double feature of Star Trek V and The Rise of Skywalker. Just which one would I watch first? Um, you would watch The Rise of Skywalker first because it's worse. That's what I was thinking. Wait, can we do this together? Like, can you can can I come over and us do this? <laughs> can you save this for the next time I can afford to come to Edmonton? <laughs> okay sounds good <laughs> uh, you don't i'm not holding you to that i mean i don't know if i want to actually sit through the rise of skywalker again so we'll see that's fair honestly the only reason i probably would and i don't know what this says about me is when i like because i started using letterboxd only in 2021 right <laughs> so there's a bunch of movies i haven't seen oh that i haven't God. logged so i would watch it to log it to get the complete like Star Wars saga. Okay, just so the, you like, know, you know the all stats. You don't have you don't have to say when you watch something on Letterboxd. I always go back if I've seen something before and I remember the plot. I say I watched it, even if it was before. I don't know if that's cheating, but that's how I do it. I only put a date if it's like now. Okay, I see. So I I'm see. trying to save you. You don't have to watch it. You can just say you watched it. Although, maybe you don't remember the plot, and then you can't say that. These are my very arbitrary rules. Well, yeah, like, if there's something that, like, I know I've seen that I don't remember any of it as I'm watching it, I'll count that as a first watch. Yeah, same. I did that with something the other day that I, like, had only seen, like, once or twice, once before, and I just, like, acted as if I didn't know what it was before. And that's like, that's almost like one of the most upsetting things. The fact that like, it's a movie I know I've seen, but I don't remember. It's like, fuck, how old am I? How old am I getting? (laughs) Like, not that I'm like, you know, not that God forbid my like, you know, memory is going or anything. Just like, you know, anything serious, but just that like, I don't remember. I definitely counted this as a rewatch, but I had recently rewatched The Man from Uncle. The 2015 Uh, movie, and like I forgot a lot about that movie, and I'm I really, aside from one of the main actors being shitty, um, that movie fucking rules, and I'm glad I rewatched it. And it has a freaking amazing soundtrack that I cannot stop listening to since. Nice. I don't really have much else to say about this episode. This might be our shortest episode of this podcast ever. And I'm not upset about yeah. it. Yeah. I think I'm like past the feeling of like needing to fill space. Like I think when I first started podcasting, I was like, oh, it has to be an hour. I had some like thought about it in my head. And now I'm just like, we'll just talk until we're done talking. It, c- it can be as long as it needs to. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So. I love it. As long as it needs to. So, Elise, it's time for the Altair Water Thirst Quencher. Altair Water first being mentioned by Dr. McCoy in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Who are you thirsting for this week? Dax. In general. Always Dax. In general. 
always Dax. It is. Yeah. The only time I'm not into Zax is when they try to make her like run away with some guy that she met five minutes ago. Because no, we know Meridian. that that is not the kind of life that she will is really into. Yeah. Do you have anything? No, not really. The sword didn't make you horny. I'm horny for I'm horny for archaeology, (laughs) the pursuit of knowledge. Oh my god! I just thought of all of Indiana Jones's like female students and how they're all like in love with him. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) So I I blew up your spot earlier. I had a second one that I didn't write, so I'll just say that one. If once I remember, your second candidate. Once I. Once I remember it. Okay, well, in that case, I'll go first. My most Star Trek thing was a paper-thin villain named Duras, who could have been anyone, but they made it Duras. Thus, instead of doing any work to like explain the character's motivations, you just carry your preconceived bias forward. I say this because in Star Trek Enterprise, in the 22nd century, Archer fights a Duras. And Elise, what was your second candidate after Worf suggested Dax first the polarity? Um, just at the beginning of the episode when Cisco kind of implied that like half a million runabouts had been destroyed since the beginning of the show. It's <laughs> like, try to bring this one yeah. back in one piece. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. Yeah. And I guess also a fun fact about that scene with Cisco, that that um shaver that he's using, air quote shaver, that's just like a hung of plastic or whatever it is, that was the razor, air quotes, that um Jordy used in a very bad season one episode when he's seen shaving in Code of Honor in season one of TNG. Ooh, so Honor. hey, Oof. at least this episode's better than that one. Yeah, reusing things from crap episodes. Well, until next time, Elise. Where can folks find more of you on the internet? <laughs> I was gonna say, I refuse to not call Twitter Twitter. So Twitter, Letterbox, and Storygraph at. Chicken double underscore Tendi. That's T E N D I. Blue sky at Chicken Tendi. Um, since we have recorded last, I have released a new podcast with some friends. Some of them have been on this podcast actually. Um, it's called Fang Bangers Pod. Um, that's bangers with a Z at the end. We are doing a true blood. We are doing a true blood rewatch podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at FangBangersPod. Remember, that's bangers with a Z. We're not on Apple Podcasts yet, but we should be sometime in the next week. We probably will be by the time this airs, actually. But we're definitely on Spotify and Pocket Casts and such. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, question mark, Letterboxd. I haven't figured out what I'm doing with my Twitter yet. So yeah. Twitter, question mark, Letterboxd and Blue Sky at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. Catch us all together on Twitter, question mark, Instagram, Blue Sky <laughs> at Podrace. You can also email us at podrace at gmail.com. Remember, please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Thank you again to our editor, Melissa, and DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. Until next time, computer and program. Bye.